The topic today, the topic on everybody's minds, is the state of the banking industry. And we're talking with Nancy Atkinson, the senior analyst at the ITA Group. Nancy, thanks so much for joining me today. Very welcome, Tom. Look forward to it. Nancy, given the madness that we're seeing in the marketplace, I mean, CNN is on in every room that everybody has right now. What is the state of the global banking industry? Well, unfortunately, the global banking industry is obviously at a very critical juncture. Uh, it's in trouble right now. And um, I think that you know the, the bailout from the government, of the U.S. government, as well as the um, rate cuts from a number of central banks are clearly representative of the fact that governments recognize that there are some real problems here. And the fact that the markets don't seem to be overly positive in their response is also creating some real challenges. So the banking industry is going through a pretty tough time. We hear a lot about what's happening on Wall Street. But what are the ramifications for banking institutions from both Wall Street and Main Street? Well, I think a number of the things have actually been covered even in some of the presidential debates. But unfortunately, what happens on Wall Street does tend to trickle down to Main Street. Um, among the obvi- fairly obvious things, I think, are that uh, 401ks that consumers have had for many years where they're invested in uh, stocks are now tanking, and it's either going to mean many more years of work for retire for potential retirees, um, or the need to hang in there until those stocks rebound. Um, some may even be concerned and want to move towards other you know, more liquid assets, but there are definite challenges with that. The potential to turn a paper. Uh, loss into a real loss if you really liquidate and go forward. Additionally, uh, I think that you know it's going to reflect on consumers' ability to get credit from banks, whether it be for new mortgages, car loans, student loans, any of those kinds of things. Uh, as banks are tightening their belts and don't have the liquidity, they will in fact impact consumers. And so it doesn't matter really whether you were involved with sort of the you know, the speculative lending or the, the subprime mortgages of a couple of years ago, your institution will be affected by the conditions that we're seeing today. Exactly, because there are very few institutions that, that didn't take their mortgages and securitize them. Yeah. So uh, they are part of these packages that are out there that have been part of the Wall Street markets. And therefore, unfortunately, yes, you're correct. Whether or not you actually took that risky behavior, you are now at risk. <laughs> so the huge topic we hear about, we talk about, is customer confidence. It probably I don't think I've ever seen it in such jeopardy as it is now. How can banks and credit unions proactively reinforce customer confidence or, or bolster it, bring it back if necessary? Well, I think that a number of banks are trying to reach out to their customers. I think it, it really does take some proactive um, energies on the parts of banks. They need to not just sit back and kind of hunker down and, and pretend that this is going to go away, but they need to reach out to their client, to their customers, reassure them that, um, you know, their relationships are strong where they are, <laughs> um, and, you know, continue to support to the extent that they're able the uh, structure of the accounts um, and 
and provides additional services as they see fit. So it really is an ongoing building relationship. Um, I think most people want to trust their bank, but there can still be some, some very definite difficulties, especially if credit lines start to tighten or if banks don't honor credit lines that are already extended. And at this point, I think most banks are trying to do that and to honor it, and I think that the government bailout is at least in part designed to help ensure that that will continue. You know, what's interesting, Nancy, I was speaking to a group of credit unions two weeks ago, and I asked them for a show of hands, how many of you are hearing from your customers or your members, you know, is my money safe? And I think all the hands in the room went up. And I asked how many of you are reaching out to your members and ensuring them that their money is safe. And there weren't so many hands going up. So it strikes me that, that the institutions don't really know how to reach out. Have you seen any good ways that banking institutions are, are communicating with their customers? I have, but unfortunately at the moment I'm drawing a blank on, on which bank it was, but I know that at least one you know, sent out a notice to all of their customers that their deposits were certainly safe. You know, uh, again, the the concept of the FDIC insurance, so the deposits were safe. That you know, they their bank was in pretty good stead, and things should move forward pretty much as normal. Um, and I believe it did reassure customers some. But you know, I I agree with you, and it's interesting that the credit unions are saying that no, they haven't proactively reached out. And I unfortunately think that that's a pretty common approach when problems of any kind, even much uh, smaller than what we're facing today, um, the banks and any institution tend to get heads down with you know how do we address this problem and solve it but they forget the communication with the customer is so very important. And I think that most customers forgive mistakes or problems if they're communicated with and told what's going on and told how their bank is dealing with it and what they're going to do in the future. Oh, that makes sense. Now, we understand that financial resources are going to be tight, human resources are going to be tight. But that said, what do you see as being the top spending priorities for banking institutions in the coming months? Well, I think anything that can lead to cost-cutting measures, <laughs> which does mean that you know wherever possible that they can automate uh, existing manual processes, um, things that will focus still on regulatory compliance are going to be very heightened, um, not only because I expect that there will continue to be a strengthening of regulatory compliance requirements, but also because banks are going to be looking to ensure that the data is gathered and analyzed and made available as soon as possible. Um, so I think that you know that's where a lot of of money will go to the extent that they're able <laughs> to spend it. But I think it will require some very concrete and short-term paybacks. Well, that sounds like outsourcing might get a boost from this as well. Potentially, I think outsourcing could get a boost. Yes, I think that banks really are at a, again a critical juncture. Um, you know, one example is Citibank having sold um, their offshore business process outsourcing to Cata Consultancy. They announced that earlier this week, and you know, I think that what that's showing is that outsourcing is a way to. Get rid to get rid of things that are not core functions for the banks, and put them 
in the hands of of groups that really have the ability to stay focused on the technology and that can do it uh, better, cheaper, quicker. And so, yes, I would expect that outsourcing will be something that will be looked at more and more. Nancy, a few minutes ago you mentioned regulatory compliance, and, and that really is the last question I wanted to ask, and, and it's a big one. Where do regulatory compliance and risk management security fit into these spending priorities that institutions have now? I think that they're at the top priority. Uh, we've actually been hearing for some years, even before um, this current financial kind of crisis, that financial institutions um, are spending a higher and higher percentage of their IT budgets, for instance, and even people budgets on regulatory compliance and security. It's been a heightened concern since uh, company failures like Enron and since the 9-11 terrorist attacks, and I don't see that subsiding anytime soon. I think it's going to remain the very top priority, and the thing that will get upper management attention and approval to spend money will be if it can be tied and should be tied to regulatory compliance and security. Well, it strikes me, too, that after what we've seen just in the marketplace, there's no institution that really could could stand to have an embarrassment of a security breach now. Absolutely not. Reputational risk is huge. <laughs> You're absolutely correct about that. Given, given that all banks' uh, reputations are a bit shaky right now, adding that might be the death knell. <laughs> no, you're right. Nancy, I really appreciate your time and your insight this morning. I'm happy to talk with you. Thank you for inviting me. We've been speaking with Nancy Atkinson, Senior Analyst at ITA Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.